Well, good morning. My name is Mike, and I'm just an old retired pastor, emphasis on old, and I am privileged to be able to uh, step in here for Aaron and give Aaron and Trudy a little break, and uh, I hope you have the grace to overlook the inadequacies of the speaker this morning, <laughs> but I want to acknowledge uh, our, our streamers and uh, just thank you for, for tuning in. I, I, we miss you. We hope that you can join us soon. So God bless you. So this morning, let's, uh, we're going to continue on in the book of Luke. Let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 17. And while you're finding that, let me... Um, I don't know if it's just me... Or has this world lost its mind? <laughs> Things are just absolutely crazy. And as I look at the news and consider the season in which we live right now, my mind flashes back to a bumper sticker that I saw on a uh, RV years ago. It said, I may be lost, but I'm making good time. Our world is lost right now, but it's making breakneck speed toward a conclusion that is foretold in the scriptures, especially in the book of Revelation. In fact, I think the Bible has more to say about the times in which we live than any other period of time in history. We... We are living in such exciting times. We're living in Bible times. We're living in prophetic times. So my exhortation to you is stay in the Word. Stay in the Word and be encouraged. And look up, for your redemption draws near. In Matthew 24, verse 44, Jesus said this, he said, therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. He's coming in an hour that we do not expect. And we all know that our country, our world is polarized, probably more than any time in history. We're polarized politically, racially, socially, economically. We're even polarized medically, the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. But biblically, we are polarized into two groups, those that are ready and those that are not ready. But thankfully, there is time for those in the category of not ready to get in to the group, the category, ready before the Lord comes. Because he hasn't come yet, but I believe he's coming soon. The reason Jesus said be ready, because is when he is ready, there won't be time to get ready, so we need to be ready. So as we get into Luke chapter 17, let's have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your word. 
We thank you that it gives us faith, hope, and love. Faith to look back and know that all of our sins have been forgiven. It's given us hope that we have a home in heaven and that you're coming soon. And it gives us love that we can experience and that we can practice today in the present. So Lord, bless your word. Encourage us. Help us to look up and know that you are in charge of this whole world. In Jesus' name, amen. So Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 20. It says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. You're not going to necessarily see it, he says. Nor will you say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is with in you. See, the, the Pharisees at the time were demanding of Jesus to know when the kingdom of God was going to come. And Jesus answered and said, the, the kingdom of God is not going to come as you anticipated that it would, with some great manifestation. He says, but the kingdom of God is in reality within you. And probably a better translation of that within is among you. The kingdom of God, he says, is among you. See, wherever the king is, there is the kingdom. If you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, you're in the kingdom. So the kingdom at this time was among them. Now it is within us that believe on him. Then Jesus turned to the disciples there in verse 22. He says, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here, or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven and shines in the other part of heaven, under heaven, so also shall the Son of Man be in his day. And basically, he's telling them again that he's going away. And he says, there are those that are going to come and say, hey, he's over here, he's over there, he's come in some myst mystical secret coming. But he said, don't go after him. Because when I come, everybody is going to see, everybody is going to know, it's going to be lightning, like lightning that flashes across and shines across the whole earth. It's not done in some corner, someplace in secret. Then he said in verse 25, he says, but first we must, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Now when the Pharisees demanded of Jesus, when was the kingdom going to come, I am certain that the disciples were excited too. Because that was a question that was paramount in their mind also. When is the kingdom of God going to come? When is the king coming? It's paramount in my mind. Even after his resurrection. 
And there in Acts chapter 1, when he promised them the gift of the Holy Spirit that would empower them for their ministry, they said, is it at this time that you're going to restore the kingdom? When is it going to come? They were asking the same question. So when Jesus answered the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is among you, I am certain the disciples really got excited. They thought, we're on the verge of seeing the glorious kingdom of God. <laughs> Show them, Jesus. You know, kazam them. <laughs> Do something. <laughs> so to correct their misconception about the immediacy of the kingdom, so they would not be mistaken when, they, when the kingdom would be set up, he said in verse 25, I've got to suffer many things. I've got to be rejected by this generation. Don't expect to see the kingdom immediately. Don't expect it tomorrow or the next day. He's, he's saying that I've got to suffer and be rejected. The prophet Isaiah declared that the Messiah would be despised and rejected by men. That prophecy had to come to pass. That was a prophecy of the Messiah. Psalm 22 tells us about the suffering of the Messiah. He's telling the, the disciples, hey, calm down, guys. Cool your jets a little bit. You know, don't misunderstand when I say the kingdom of God is among you. He then went on to talk to the disciples about his coming. And he said in verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. That is when the Son of Man is going to come and establish his kingdom. This is when Jesus, what Jesus was really declaring, I'm going to come, when I'm going to come, and he's telling them the conditions and the circumstances in the time in which he would come. It would be like in the days of Noah. Verse 27, they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. They were eating, they were drinking. There's nothing wrong with eating and drinking. We need to do that to survive. However, God did not intend that your whole life be made up of eating and drinking. That's not to be the center focus of your life. That's not to be the center interest of your life. So they were eating, they were drinking, nothing wrong with that. Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, he said people were always worried about what they were going to eat, what they were going to drink, what they were going to wear. And Jesus says these are the things that the heathen worry about. Jesus says life is more than eating, drinking, and the wearing of clothes. He said this in Matthew 6.33. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Get your priorities straight, 
Don't let eating and drinking be the top priority of your life. Let the top priority of your life be that of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And God will take care of what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. He's going to see that you're clothed. In the days of Noah, they were married. They married wives and they were given in marriage until Noah went into the ark. Now, there's nothing wrong with getting married. In fact, in Proverbs 18.22, it says, He that has found a wife has found a good thing and has favor with the Lord. Any single guys here? Make, no, make note of that. The thing was that life was going on as usual. And one day, Noah went into the ark and suddenly... Dramatically, surprisingly, everything changed drastically. Right up until the time that Noah went to the ark, it was business as usual on planet Earth. People were just going on as though it was going to continue like that forever, that God would never intervene. Now, the primary focus of this passage may be business as usual. But there are many scholars that say you've really got to understand what was going on in the times of Noah. You've got to look more closely at the days of Noah. There were some really spooky things going on then. There were hybrids, the giants, the Nephilim. They were half man, half beast. There was genetic issues that were going on at that time. It also says that there was lawlessness. It says that every intent of man's heart and imagination was evil continually. It says, it, it, it says that the prevailing philosophy of the time was, was existentialism. It kind of sounds like what's going on in our world today. Out of the entire world, the time of the flood, how many people were saved? Eight. Noah, his three sons, and their wives. But it was actually nine. Because there was one taken earlier. Enoch. Genesis 5, 24. Enoch walked with God and was not. God took him. One had been removed before the flood. One day the Son of Man is going to appear on the scene and things are going to suddenly change drastically as it did in the days of Noah. He goes on in verse 28, Likewise as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it, ruined, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Again, it's a picture of business as usual. Just going on with the things of life, eating, drinking, buying, selling, planting, building. Just a normal, everyday, run-of-the-mill routine. But in the midst of this routine, there's going to come to an end 
to the routine. The day that Lot walked out of the city of Sodom, fire and brimstone rained down and destroyed the city. Now, it's interesting to me that Jesus uses both Noah and Lot as an example, as a picture. In my opinion, Noah is a type of the nation of Israel, the 144,000 who are sealed by God and going through the great tribulation and the judgment that is to come. Now, how many of you know what a type is? Typology. Anybody? Okay. Here's a type. In Hosea, I think it's Hosea 10, God said that he had spoken through the prophets and he had used his uh, similes. And there's a study in the Bible called typology. To give you a, a quick example of a type is, is Abraham and Isaac. Remember, Abraham took Isaac up the mountain, up Mount Moriah, the same mountain that Jesus was sacrificed on. He took him up there and he was about to sacrifice and plunge a knife into him. He told his servant to wait down below the mountain. His servant, his name was Eleazar. Eleazar means comfort or comforter. The Holy Spirit is our comforter, right? So here we have Father Abraham and Isaac up on the mountain. Eleazar is a type of the Holy Spirit. Abraham is a type of the father who's about to kill, sacrifice his son. And Isaac is a type of the son of Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? Okay. So, you have Noah's Ark. It's a type of Israel, a type of the 144,000 that is going to go through the great tribulation. Even as God protected Noah and his children in the ark, so God will protect the 144,000 and protect, or the nation of Israel, represents the nation of Israel, as they go through the great tribulation. Now we get to Lot. I believe, in my opinion, that Lot is a type of the church who was taken out before the judgment of, and the wrath of God fell on Sodom and Gomorrah. In my opinion, God is going to take out the church before his wrath and judgment comes on an unbelieving world. Peter tells us in 2 Peter 2.7, he's talking about the, the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah, and he says, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of, of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust under the punishment for the day of judgment. Now, if we look carefully at the life of Lot, 
we would not probably call him a righteous man. He was a pretty worldly man. But God called him a righteous man. And what's important is what, what God says about a man, not what other men say about him. So here Jesus uses two people as an example and an illustration when talking about the day of his coming. The day when the judgment of the Son of Man is going to be poured out on the world. As the judgment of God was poured out upon Sodom, as the judgment of God was poured out on the end of Deluvians. The time of Noah was a time when people were just going through their daily routines until suddenly God puts the brakes on. Jesus said, you do not know the day or the hour of his coming. Therefore, it's, re it's important that we're ready, that you're walking in righteousness, that God has declared you righteous. That's what it means to be justified, is to be declared righteous by God. So how do I do that? It's given by God. It's a gift of God. And it's given by grace, unmerited favor. So how do I get that gift? It's simple. You just put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that he is who he said he is, that he's God, and make him your Lord, that you were a sinner, that you are a sinner, but Jesus took your place on the cross and died for your sins and that he rose again and in believing that he'll give you eternal life. The days of Lot were days when homosexuals had come out of the closet. They were very brazen about their chosen lifestyle and they were actively trying to draw others into their activities. Does that sound like our world today? Luke 17.30, Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. As the days of Lot, as the days of Noah, it will be like that at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is basically talking about a surprise element of his coming. It's going to be a, a surprise when the, the Son of Man is revealed. It's going to be a shocker to the whole world. The world is going to be blindsided by that event when the wrath of God is poured out. We shouldn't be surprised. We should be ready. Verse 31, it says, In that day he who was on the housetop, and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Then he says, remember Lot's wife. Here's a warning. Be ready, because God's wrath is going to be poured out. And if you're not going to have time to go and get ready to go, 
When the house is on fire, you don't have time to go back into the house and get the coin collection. I had, I had a good friend that lived and worked in Paradise, California, when that fire roared through that little town. He worked at the supermarket there. And all of a sudden, they said, you got you to evacuate. Get out of here. And he jumped in his truck. There's a traffic jam trying to get out of Paradise. He looked back and he saw those flames just blazing down toward him. It got so close to him that the taillights, the plastic taillights on his truck melted. It was so hot, he thought he was going to die. He called his brother to say goodbye. But by the grace of God, he got out of there. But if he would have gone home to grab those valuable things... He never would have made it. Lot's wife, it said, remember Lot's wife. She looked back, mourning the life that she had left and the desire to carry her old life with her. And that became the means of her death. Interesting, Charles Swindoll, when, when Jesus said, you know, saving, seeking to save your life, you'll lose it, but losing your life, you'll save it. He, he, let me quote what Charles Swindoll said. He says, One can cling to only one kind of life, the life in this world defined by the pursuit of wealth will result in eternal spiritual death. Life in the kingdom demands putting to death any desire for wealth we must not become like Lot's wife when it comes to preserving our earthly comforts. We must move toward the kingdom with haste as though the world were on fire, and it soon will be. Remember Lot's wife, Jesus said. See, Lot's, got, Lot's wife got her body out of Sodom. But she didn't get her heart out of Sodom. Verse 34, Jesus says, I tell you, in that night, there will be two men in one bed. Now I want you to notice something in your Bibles where it says two men. That's in italics. When you see a word that is in italics in your Bible, it means that it's been added by the translators. That word men, now in Forty years ago when I was teaching this, I didn't have to make this <laughs> disclaimer. <laughs> but now I do, okay? It, it wasn't in the original, so they added it. And, and so, he says, there were two men in one bed. The one will be taken, the other one will be left. Two women will be grinding together. One will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. What time of day is it? Two men, they're sleeping. It's nighttime, you would think. Two women grinding. They ground the, the grain first thing in the morning for the meals. It's morning time. All right, two men in the field. It's daytime. Here we have an event that is taking place simultaneously, where in some places it's night, 
Some places it's morning. Some places it's daytime. And what's, what's portrayed here, it's a subtle thing, but what is portrayed here is that the earth is round. And Jesus knew that the earth was round. Verse 37. <laughs> this is a good one. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? They're going to be taken. Where, Lord? Where are they going to be taken? And he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. I struggled with this. Where are they taken? Now, all the commentators that I checked out all say that they really don't know, although they all had their own leaning. They weren't sure. But it seems to be a quote from a proverb that was known in those days. What exactly it was alluding to, nobody seems to know. There's two different distinct possibilities. And the problem is the word eagle. Eagle seems to be the problem because it's the word aet, A-E-T-O-S. Now, usually eagles do not go in quest of decaying flesh, carrion. So this may refer to a vulture that looks like an eagle. Vultures are attracted to carcasses, to decaying flesh. Now this proverb, if you want to look it up, it's, it's quoted in full in Matthew 24, 28, partially in Job 39, 27 to 30, Habakkuk 1.8, and Hosea 8.1. So there are two major opposite views here. The first view is those that are, that are taken are seen as the church body. Where the body is, the eagles shall be. So it's the church body, the blessed ones. This would seem to be descriptive of the rapture of the church, the harpazo. Isaiah says, They that wait upon the Lord must mount up with wings as eagles. So it's speaking of the saints, the body of Christ. That's one view. The other view, and this is the view that most commentators take, is the ones that are taken are taken for judgment and it's indicative of the world conditions at the second coming. Atos may be used as a general word for birds of prey. Revelation chapter 19. The Lord gives an invitation to the fowls of heaven to come to the supper of the great God eating the flesh of those who were killed in the battle of Armageddon. Let me reiterate, most commentators take this as a call to judgment. And they they may be right. But my personal opinion is this is an allusion to the rapture of the church. Now that may not necessarily be correct, but it's my leaning. In contrast to this, the the two previous illustrations, the ones that were taken, Noah and Lot, they were both spared of judgment. 
Even Enoch, if you include him in that, he was spared of judgment. He didn't even go through the tribulation. Now, in rabbinical tradition, Enoch was born on the day of Pentecost. What else was born on the day of Pentecost? On the day of Pentecost, Moses received the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, and the nation of Israel was born. On the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit came, the church was born. Enoch was born, his birthday, and they believed that Enoch was taken on his birthday, the day of Pentecost. <clears throat> Lot's removal in Genesis 19.22 you can look that up later but Lot's removal from, from Sodom was a prerequisite before the angels could destroy the city the angels had to push him out of that city he didn't really want to go but they couldn't destroy the city until Lot was out now, we're going to have a lot of differences and different views of these passages. And a lot of people try to duck these issues because they just admit they don't really know. And neither do I. But from the context, you can lean either way. But I'll tell you the truth. I'm not looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm looking for the rapture. I'm looking to get out of here. And I think this scripture would indicate that. Let me just quickly, I don't know how much time we have. Oh, okay, let me. This will be my last Sunday. <laughs> Turn, but we, we, have a, we have a scripture up there, I, I think. Uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. This is, this is, this is what I say, uh, why I believe that the church isn't going to go through the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, we have what I call the divine outline of the book. Okay, John is instructed. He said, write the things which you have seen. Okay, what did he see? He saw a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, chapter 1. All right? And then, the things which are. That's chapters 2 and 3, the things which are, the church age. It's the churches. And the things which will take place after this. And it's the word metatauta, after this. If you go to Revelation chapter 4, I believe chapter 4, verse 1, is the, the rapture of the church because it says, metatautau, after these things, John is caught up into heaven. And as John is caught up into heaven, the 24 elders are there. They're clearly uh, identified as the redeemed. They take their crowns and throw it in the glassy sea. And then the Lamb doesn't receive the scroll 
and begin to open the seals until Revelation chapter 6. And those, are the, those seals are the wrath of God that's going to be poured out. The church is in heaven. I, th I think it's pretty clear anyway in my view. Now, let me just say this. If you're not ready, you can be ready today. If you need to move from one category to the other category, do it today. And as the worship team comes forward, I want you to take your communion cup out. And we're going to have communion together. We're going to, we're going to sing a song and they're going to stop. And we're going to take it together together.